Welcome to the Thought Leadership Project, a podcast by Jay Harrington and Tom Nixon, exploring how lawyers can turn expertise into thought leadership and thought leadership into new business. Welcome to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. I'm Jay Harrington. With me is my co-host, Tom Nixon. Hi, Tom. Hi, Jay. And it's good to be joined by a guest again, which we'll get back to in a second. Yeah, I was going to say uh, our listeners will be happy because we've had uh, kind of a, a string of episodes where it's just been you and I droning on. So bringing in a, a new voice will be refreshing, I'm sure. Yes, um, yes. So our, our guest, I'm really excited uh, to welcome her to the show. Uh, Laura Frederick is the managing attorney at Laura Frederick Law, a boutique law firm in Austin, Texas, that helps businesses with vendor contracts. She founded her firm in, the, in early 2019 after working on commercial contracts for 10 years in law firms and for 14 years as in-house counsel. A veteran of big law and Tesla legal department, she is a pragmatist with a finely tuned sense of risk management. She's developed a loyal following of lawyers and business people around the world, which we'll get to quite a bit in this episode, who watch her for daily content tips, or I'm sorry, daily contract tips on LinkedIn. So Laura, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, that's great. Um, so I, I was able to share a little bit about uh, your background there, but I guess, first of all, I'm, I'm interested uh, it, going a little off script here, but uh, being in Austin, are you are you noticing Austin? Um, I guess it's it's been a, such a booming town for a very long time, but have you seen that pick up during sort of the COVID-19 exodus that some people are making? Yeah, I think what we're seeing is a lot of people uh, and businesses moving to Austin that, uh, especially ones from the area, technology companies are finding Austin is a real welcoming place where their employees in California are open to moving to. So there's been every day in the news more and more about people moving to Austin. Yeah. Is it managing to stay weird? It is. It is. And actually, I lived here in the late 90s and then moved away and moved back in 2015. And while it's a bigger version of weird, it's still just weird. <laughs> well, and I know it's also becoming kind of a, a podcasting mecca, too. I know Tim Ferriss moved there a few years mm -hmm. back and and more recently, Joe Rogan. And so, um, I, you know, probably for similar reasons why, you know, a number of businesses are moving there as well. Um, but I've heard it's a great town. I've never never been there, unfortunately, but hope to get there. Um, all right. So enough about that. Let's talk a little bit more about you and your practice. And and for our listeners benefit, we're going to be talking quite a bit about LinkedIn today. But before we get to that, Let's kind of lay some foundation. And Laura, I'd love to learn more about uh, your practice just because you have a unique uh, niche focus to it, uh, very narrowly focused on helping clients with their vendor contracts. And kind of narrow focus is something we espouse quite a bit uh, on our podcast and in other forms of content we create in our advisory services, just in terms of it's important for lawyers to have that narrow focus so that they can be seen as, a, as an expert, a specialist, um, as opposed to just another generalist who's uh, one among the, the masses. So can you talk a little bit about your, I guess, how you came upon your your focus for your practice and just what, the, what it's been like having, you know, a, a very narrow set of issues that you're dealing with? Yeah, no, I'd be happy to. So I have been doing uh, vendor contracts for my 25-year career. It's always been my favorite work. I have done some other kinds of contracts, but almost always was responsible for the supply chain and procurement function 
uh, both when I was in house and at law firms. So it's something I know really well because it's been such a uh, priority for my practice. So when I opened my firm, I thought, I love, that's the work I want to continue to do. Um, I had a couple clients early on who weren't in that narrow space. And I ended up um, moving them on to other attorneys because it wasn't what I loved. Um, so for me, the niche focus is about doing something I love and um, doing something I'm really good at. Because I've been doing this for so long, I I know it really well. And so there's a lot of authenticity in my marketing and do what I love. And I, I share that through my marketing with clients bring them uh, in and um, understand why I do this and how I can help them. And, and I don't know if this has been your experience, but I'd be interested in your perspective. And it's uh, that I, I find that when a lawyer has a, a narrow focus to their practice, their marketing, their marketing, there's like this um, symbiotic relationship between their, what they do and how they market, because when they're uh, creating content around you know, the, the issues that relate to their narrow focus that, that informs, you know, what they're doing to become smarter, uh, through their writing, through the thinking they're doing for the marketing and vice versa. When you have a narrow focus, you tend to think about, uh, more opportunities to market and create thought leadership content. Do you find that sort of reinforcement between your practice and your marketing as a result of thinking about the same types of issues all the time? Oh, for sure. And it's, very easy to market because I'm just talking about the things I love and the things I do each day. So, um, yeah, I, I love being able to focus in on the specialty areas and not try and come up with content or pieces or speaking engagements or anything else other than what I love to do. Um, so I think that that makes the marketing a lot easier and it all does flow together. And Laura, you know, just last thing on this topic of niche is, you know, the natural fear is that, you know, when you go narrow, you might be crowding out opportunities that might otherwise generate revenue. And there's this apprehension on the part of an attorney who's never, you know, tried to do this before that they're going to actually be creating a smaller audience. And what have you found since you started turning away the, the clients that weren't fits? Yeah, I've had I've had the opposite experience. As once I, before I started marketing myself more for supply chain and vendor contracts, it was just a general I'm good at contracts uh, marketing effort. And once I narrowed it down, now I started getting a lot of people calling me specifically for those vendor contracts, and I think they had the need uh, for for overflow for vendor contracts, and so they thought of me um, because, you know, they'd seen me on LinkedIn or they'd worked with me in the past. And because I had associated that narrow focus with my marketing and my firm, it was, I think the clients are quicker to call me when they have those vendor contract needs because that's how they think of me. LinkedIn, let's dive into that a little bit because it's really interesting to me what you've, what you've done on the platform and, and, uh, you know, you're—I would call you prolific on the platform. Uh, you have a, a large number of followers, and most importantly, your posts that you're you're putting out uh, are getting tons of engagement. So, 
you know, one of the interesting things that, you know, I, I only discovered in our conversation before we started recording was the fact that this hasn't been something you've been doing for all that long. So I, I want to dive into that a little bit, because I think there's some lawyers who think, oh, this, this will take forever to see any benefit from LinkedIn. But I guess take us back a little bit to the point where you started thinking about using LinkedIn as a marketing platform, or, or maybe you don't even see it as a marketing platform, but a place to share content and connect with people which I guess you could call marketing. Um, <laughs> but I guess just talk to us about your experience on LinkedIn and then we'll get a little more specific as we go in the conversation. Sure, sure. So for a long time, it was just a place to connect with former coworkers and people I'd met in professional functions. Uh, I turned away all connection requests that I didn't know and uh, posted once in a while when I had big news, but rarely commented or had any engagement at all. There was no LinkedIn strategy. Even when I opened my firm, it, there was nothing um, consistent about what I was doing. So around the beginning of August, I was starting to think about um, wanting to kind of reposition my firm and kind of take a different tactic with the marketing. And at the same time, I thought, you know, I should start posting more on LinkedIn. This is where all my target clients are. This is where I can be the most effective. It's where I'm most comfortable. Um, so I had seen a post by somebody else who said they tried a challenge to post every day for 30 days. And I thought, well, I don't know if I can do that many days. I don't know. I figured why not? So I didn't, I just started. And it was interesting to start because I really didn't have any uh, plan or strategy about it. It was just, yeah, let's see what happens. And what I found was um, in the beginning, I just posted randomly, random times of day, random concepts, random thoughts, a mixture of uh, you know inspirational things, as well as contract tips, as well as you know comments on current events. Uh, and it wasn't until I started seeing the response to the contract tips and how much people appreciated them, how they were looking for them and started within a couple days or maybe within three or four days, I saw that feedback. So I immediately started doing a morning contract tip and that's really, uh, where my followers come from, what the people are looking for. And what I've become more known as is the person who posts daily contract tips. Well, and you, you say that you're not a professional marketer, but you're, you must have great instincts because you're doing a lot of the things that we've talked about on this podcast and written about. And one of which is like very top of mind because it's fresh. If we advocate that you look at your metrics so that you can make informed decisions about how to pivot your content strategy, you did that in three days and you saw immediate, like almost explosive growth. Is that right? Yeah, for sure. And I think what the focus is, because I, as I don't have any real marketing expertise, but I, my philosophy has been what, how can I help people? What can I do to give people knowing that, you know, in the world, when you do good things for people, when you give to the world, things come back to you. So that's kind of my, my practice. And that was the approach I took with LinkedIn. So when I started seeing people really appreciated those and were looking forward to those, and that would be the focus that would become uh, where I'd spend my time. And I think that's important to emphasize that you're not 
as far as I've seen, I've, you know, I've obviously looked at your um, your activity on LinkedIn uh, quite a bit before we spoke, but you, you're not you're not pitching, right? You're mm-hmm. you're doing the true thought leadership approach of of you know providing value and um, being generous uh, with your your insights. But obviously, you know, the whole idea there is is there's a there's that altruistic component of just trying to make people um, smarter and better at what they do by by sharing your insights. But that that's obviously redounds to your benefit as well. I mean, can you talk a little bit about just maybe how much your your network has grown and that th- that kind of thing from the activity that you've done, Laura? Especially in this time of the pandemic, where we're all isolated, we're all working on our own at home or with limited social engagement um, or interpersonal engagement. And every day I talk to uh, people around the world in the comments and we have conversations about contract issues. And so that's been one big uh, benefit. The other is I'm reaching people that I who don't know me. Um, in the past, most of my clients came from former coworkers at different companies I've worked at. And so they were either referring somebody else or calling me themselves from their new employer and hiring my firm that way. And now I'm starting to see people who are have never worked with me and don't know anybody who's worked with me. And they're calling me for support because they like how I approach contracts. They can see from my posts, my philosophy, my approach, my thinking. Um, there's a lot of human connection that they feel with me, which of course helps uh, them want to hire me uh, to work on their matters. So it's definitely been beneficial with the marketing, but I make a very, very uh, direct decision never to really promote my firm. I may, maybe someday I will, but so far it's really not about that. It's about what I can give back and, um, you know, knowing that there will be benefits to me by um, by giving so much. And I think one of the axioms of thought leadership, at least as I see it, Laura, is you'll never have to, you'll never have to be self-promotional because you're going to, you are establishing a position as a thought leader, a subject matter expert, and people naturally gravitate to those types of people when they have an engagement to, to discuss. So, um, I wanted to go back just to the numbers real quick because you shared with us a screen capture of uh, an app that you use to kind of monitor insights and data. And I'm looking at these numbers since August, which is when you say you started, and I'm seeing growth numbers like 4,300% in terms of comments that you're generating, views of your posts up 2,000%, shares up 6,600%. So when I say explosive growth, I mean, we're talking huge number. So tell us about this app. Um, it might be right for other attorneys and other thought leaders, but um, w- w- how did you find it? And then how are you using this data to inform your strategy going forward? Yeah. So the app is called Shield. I found it in a post on LinkedIn. The CEO of Shield um, is a prolific poster as well. And I follow a lot of marketing people. So I'm a big believer in listening to experts. So once I um, decided to kind of focus on this new marketing push, I started following a lot of uh, marketing people on LinkedIn and several of them started talking about Shield and what it's showing them and the reports and all that. So it's been really useful to measure um, particularly what is hitting well, because I can see comments on a daily basis, but then I forget what they are. You know, I have no idea how many views the post I did four days ago had. 
I kind of know today's because I look and I'm like, oh, look, that did well. Or, oh, nobody's looking at that one. Um, So Shield gives me that big picture focus. And really, I'm using it to kind of gauge. I've been trying to study more on the graphics versus pictures versus text focus. And I'm starting to look for trends on how the different subject matters register uh, in terms of views and comments uh, and shares versus others. I haven't spent a ton of time on it yet just because life's busy. I've got my practice and um, focusing on other things, but it's uh, I love having the data there. And Laura, I guess as a, as a follow-up to that, because I think you know time is always of the essence for, and in short supply for busy lawyers, but about how much time are you investing into LinkedIn, would you say, on a daily or weekly basis? Yeah, I think it's probably about an hour. I average about an hour a day. Uh, I try to come up with a few posts in advance that are I leave there and available if I ever need to. But most days I, I get up, I get my coffee and I write out a post. Um, and then I, if I'm going to do the graphics, I'll create the graphics on Canva and, and then I post it. And the reason I like this approach over the calendar approach is because that has me thinking what to write each morning. And uh, so then as people start to comment, I start the, we all, we start in a conversation. So I'll post, for example, today I posted um, about bankruptcy and how contracts, you can't terminate a contract uh, once the counterparty filed bankruptcy. And so immediately people started talking about it. And then I was able to add more thoughts about it because I'd been thinking about it that morning. When I, first started, I tried to populate a social media calendar and it really didn't work for me because it was going in on raw, on strange times. I was trying to schedule it and be strategic, but um, what would happen is I'd post in the middle of being away from my desk for three or four hours. So now by posting in the morning, when I'm just starting to process through my morning emails and looking at my to-do list, and I'm able to kind of go back and forth and look at the posts and see who's commenting and engage with those people. So it's one of my big tips I've learned is post at a time when you can engage with people adding their comments, um, because that's really the goal for me is I want to start conversations and I reply to every single post uh, or every single comment. Uh, that's my goal, unless it's just a somebody naming somebody else. And I think that's part of it too, because they took the time to post a comment on my post Um, even if it's short, no matter what, and I want to respect that and honor that. And I think I do that by thanking them for that post or keeping the conversation going. Laura, I'm curious, um, since you're generous enough to provide some of these tips that you're sharing with us and our listeners, um, because Jay and I have recorded an episode and through the miracle of podcasting and editing, I'm not sure if it's going to run before or after this, but it will be adjacent to, to your episode. And we talk about um, individual marketing plans for lawyers, for individual lawyers. And I wonder if you could follow on to that. And if you had an attorney that was considering creating a quote unquote marketing plan, inclusive of LinkedIn or not, what would you recommend be the first kind of two, 
or three steps in getting a marketing plan that's going to be effective for a given attorney? Figure out what subjects you want to post about because you want to keep that relatively narrow. You don't want to market about everything in the world. The second one would be to get comfortable with your own voice um, and what you have to say about things. When I was a newer attorney, I was, and even maybe when I wasn't so new an attorney, I would um, self-edit and self-censor what I had to say because I sounded stupid and, you know, I don't sound that smart. I should use bigger words and impress people with these things I know. And what I discovered and, and really had to double down on was talking in my post like I talk to everybody, like I talk to my family, like I talk to my clients. I am not different depending on who I'm talking to. And so I did my marketing in my voice. Um, and that's always one of the challenges for people who feel they have to outsource their marketing content. You know, I have the benefit that I write 100% of everything I do marketing. Um, and it's to me, that's super important. And I will always do that first. At least I plan to always do that first because how else can I be genuine? How else do the clients know who I am and understand what I'm all about if I'm if somebody else is writing those words? Laura, uh, kind of circling back to uh, something you you mentioned before, which was the use of graphics in different posts you do on LinkedIn. I guess talk to us a little bit about that. I know you you mentioned you use Canva, which is a great tool. It's easy to use. Uh, but what's your experience been? I guess what is your What's your approach to graphics? Like, what are you trying to accomplish there? And have you do you see uh, a market difference between posts that, that have graphics and don't? Uh, maybe just talk a little bit about your your experience in that regard. Yeah. So, in the beginning, I didn't use as many. Now, I try to have you know probably two thirds of my posts have graphics. Um, I don't see a big difference, at least from the the naked eye um, and what I've reviewed so far between the posts that have a random picture and the posts that are just text. At least for my followers, the text posts are just as um, successful as the non or as the post with a picture on them. The big difference for me is when I create a graphic representation of what my post says. So, you know, some of the, the popular ones is I, I post every day on contracts. So I'll take a contract provision and start doing little bubbles next to it that'll highlight some words in a provision with um, and explain something. Or I'll do a big Venn diagram or I'll do a ranking. Uh, this has been real popular where I, you know, list from highest risk to lowest risk, different approaches to a contract term. And so I'm a very visual person. I love learning through visuals along with text. So um, I'm finding a lot of the followers who comment and engage are saying they really appreciate that as well. Yeah, they're they're definitely uh, they're definitely eye catching, and and I I do like how you break you know these these concepts down into a, a visualized style um it's definitely easy to absorb and and you know frankly i think for most people it's some people are really attracted to visuals that's what catches their eye and that draws them into the written content and and perhaps vice versa you know some might only look at the graphic after reading the the content but it's a way to it's a sort of a pattern interruption to catch catch someone's attention on the platform which i think is a is a great tactic um 
so Laura, is there anything else that that we missed um, in terms of maybe just tips on on LinkedIn uh, or or otherwise that that you might share? Uh, I know you've you've already provided a tremendous amount of of insight here, but any any last thoughts or tips for our yeah. listeners? I have a couple things just because I when I started learning about marketing and everything, and even running my own law firm, I would find all the ad, you know, the advice out there and study it and learn it and try and adopt it. The biggest realization for me and what I think has made the most difference of everything, which is consistency and building momentum. In the beginning, I was posting, I said I'd only post weekdays. Um, and what I found was the posts that I did last over the last week are all getting new views every day. So when you only post on weekdays, you lose the momentum from over the weekend. And so by posting every day, I found it really drove more, um, more followers, more viewers. Uh, it made such a difference. And then the other tip I'd give is I adopted, I started doing those contract tips every morning, but I had more to say um, than just talking about contracts. I have, you know, advice for law students and new lawyers. I like to talk about different things. So one of the tactics I also did was when my morning post doesn't go very far, I typically try to do an afternoon post that day um, on one of my random topics unrelated to contracts. And those have been just re gotten just as much reach as the contract tips. I get a lot of positive feedback um, um, on different subjects other than um, other than just contract tips. And I think the last thing I'll say, and I've touched on it a little bit, which is you have to show yourself to everybody. I think that's a lot of marketing is letting people get to know you and who you you are as you are, not as you think you should be. So I try to be super genuine, super transparent, because at the end of the day, that's who I am. Um, so I try to make sure that my personality comes through in every post. And I think it does. I think what you read in those posts is exactly who I am. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. And it's, it's, I think it's easy to make the mistake to try to sound more sophisticated than you are when you're selling professional services. But you, you, I mean, at the end of the day, people hire who they like, right? So yeah. I have last question for you, Laura, on ROI, um, another topic that I've been writing about a lot lately, which is how do you measure, I'm curious what you're willing and able to share with our audience about how you measure the return on investment. You're spending an hour a day at least, right? And are you measuring the return on these metrics that we discussed? Um, is it translating to financial reward? I mean, how do you measure it and how would you recommend an attorney measures the ROI? I have not spent a lot of time measuring it other than that one shield app, which tracks analytics. So my, my measurement is more informal. You know, these are all things where I was completely under the radar. And now, you know, and I also have gotten several new clients because of the LinkedIn post. So it's the, I don't have specific ROIs. I haven't measured it, but I know it's there because I can see the results that I've gotten. Good. Yeah. Well, you know, ROI can be in the eyes of the beholder, but at least you're, you have a, a sense for the pulse that it's generating some return. And I love that you're not overly fixated on the dollars and cents of it, but you can at least measure success by some of the softer qualitative metrics. So 
Jay, anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it, Laura. The only thing I, w- I would just uh, end with would be where, I mean, obviously they should connect with you on LinkedIn. Um, so seek out Laura Frederick on LinkedIn, but also other, uh, you want to uh, provide people maybe with your website URL so that um, people can check out your, your little bit more about your practice. Yeah, that'd be great. It's Laura Frederick Law, super simple. So uh, laurafredericlaw.com is um, my website for my law firm. Okay, great. Well, um, I, and as a first stop, I, like I said, I, everyone should go and even, you know, I, I would suggest, you know, connecting with Laura, but at a minimum, follow her and, and see, you know, if, if both to get her great contract tips and just sort of uh, legal professional development tips, as well as just seeing uh, the types of behaviors and, and actions that work really well on that platform. So Laura, it was a real pleasure having you on today. Um, we, I, I know I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners uh, will as well. Um, so thank you for coming on and, and thank everyone for listening to another episode of the Thought Leadership Project podcast. Thank you for listening to the Thought Leadership Project. For show notes, additional resources, and links to the tools discussed on today's episode, visit thethoughtleadershipproject.com.